Hey everybody, welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast Q&A section. We've got Ashley Van Houten sitting with me. She's going to riddle me with questions that you guys send in that she's got to keep it interesting. So we just want to change the format a little bit. So, you know, in the past, it's always been me interviewing other guests. And this time we're going to dive into you guys asking me questions, Ashley asking me questions. And you can send in questions if you have questions about previous podcasts. So if there's something that's been on there, a particular topic you want to hear about, whether it be muscle building, mindset, life optimization, nutrition, whatever it is, I don't claim to be an expert all of them, but I'll certainly give you my opinion. And if you want to just something about me personally, you can send that in too. So Ashley's here. She's got a question directly from one of our listeners, and then she's got a bunch of other questions that have come in as well. And some she just wants to pry into my life about. I love this because anybody who listens to your podcast or any podcast, I'm like writing down questions that I have for you. I'm like, I can't wait to ask this awkward or possibly embarrassing question to Ben. But so that's, you know, if this is my new life, I'm cool with it. This is a question that came from somebody else that I kind of like, and I am very interested to hear your answer. What is your least favorite exercise and or machine in the gym? I don't know that I have any. So throughout my bodybuilding career, and I think I've talked about this a lot, I like to do things that hurt. I like to do things that like I feel like I want to lay down and like die afterwards. So I never trained arms because arms sucked. Like it's boring. It's not the same kind of pain as Yeah, a, so I always put yeah. arms off to like Saturday and then you know I'd do Monday through Friday and then Saturday would come around and I wouldn't do it or I'd be up drinking or something on Friday night. <laughs> this is early in my career. And I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go or I'd go back in and do like legs again or something. So arms was always the thing. Um, but now that I've kind of got a better understanding of how to train everything, there's nothing that I really dislike doing. And there's certain things that I like doing more, but there's nothing that I like don't like doing. Well, I guess wouldn't it also be you've hit a point where if there's like a machine or, or something that doesn't really suit your physiology, you're like, I'm just not going to do this one. Sure. You yeah. know, the ones that fit your body, you know, if something hurts that I don't I typically have like an unconscious aversion to that, right? Like, so I've got this right shoulder thing that I've had since 2007 that kind of nags me on certain things like external rotation of my right arm sucks. So sometimes pulling above my head, if I'm doing pull-ups or something like that, that kind of bugs me a little bit, but I still figure out ways to do it because I know my workarounds, I know my activations, but yeah, nothing really. You've talked before though about how it's not necessarily that there are bad machines or bad exercises. It's just ones that aren't suitable for, again, your body type, your whatever. And like I- As you said in the last Q&A, you said like your hands are different than mine. Like, yes, they are. So why are we, you know, everything in your body is different than mine. Why are we doing the same machines? It doesn't make any sense. I've always hated like leg presses and all of the millions of iterations. You go to a big meathead gym, there's like 50 different leg presses and they don't feel good to me. Like I just, I don't like the way, and maybe it's the way my body's set up or maybe it's my background, but I hate doing leg presses. And so that's, I'm answering the question. That's my least favorite machine, but you don't have anything that you're like, nope, not touching that thing. Lat pull downs. Well, I'm blessed to have my own gym. <laughs> so the only things in the gym are things that I hand selected that'll okay, this is a really good piece, not just for me, but for everybody. So I think people mindlessly use equipment that they don't realize is shit. So we talked about this yesterday too. Like I'm in Toronto and there's not a lot of good gyms in Toronto, particularly in my area. I'm sure there's other gyms in Toronto that are decent, but where I stay, it's there's not that many. So it's hard to find something that's actually well-equipped for all body parts. So I'll go to certain gyms and I'll be like, God, I'm, I'm just not going to train this. Like this body part sucks here because the, all the equipment sucks. So there's that, like certain P, certain machines suck. But as far as like exercises that I don't like or body parts... I like them all. It's all about the mindset and the yeah. approach. Okay. So yeah, that's But it wasn't, wasn't always that way. I used to hate training back because I sucked at it. Right. And that's probably how people look at it. It's like, so this is a very important realization that I had early in my career. Actually, one of my, one of my mentors early in my career, unfortunately passed away, said this to me. He goes, Hey man, think about your mindset when you train legs. 
is that different? So for me, legs being a strong body part, is that different from when you're training a weak body part? Or when you, in, in this specific reference, he was saying back. So I would do a leg set and I would get crushed and I'd get up and I'd have a big smile on my face. Or I'd feel like I have a sense of accomplishment or like reward. And I do legs and I go, fuck, because I was pissed off. I didn't go further into the set or I lost my focus or I you know, lost my grip or something. And that was almost like this constant, right? When I'm doing legs, I'm like celebrating. When I'm doing back, I'm like, fuck. And he goes, hey man, do you realize you do that? And I go, no. I didn't think about it. And I hope everyone out there acknowledges that. If you have a weak body part and you're constantly reinforcing that negative attitude with it, you're just anchoring that attitude and you can't get away from that until you start breaking the habits. You have to start reinforcing victories and positive mindsets. And and it sounds esoteric and it sounds woo-woo, but like this is definitive neuroscience. So for a long time, I hated training back. And that's why my back was reflective of that during my career because I didn't understand how to train it, which is why it took me so long to master it. And people out there, well, I'm going to learn training from back because I was the guy who didn't get it. And now I get it, right? Like don't learn from a guy who's a master of it or, or who has a great back because maybe it was just happened by accident, right? So for me, during my career, my back was a very weak body part. I had so much psychological pain around, God, I suck at this, but I didn't suck at it. It wasn't a genetically weak body part. It's just I didn't understand how to train it. If you can't do back day, then you must do back day. Well, yeah. And I had, you know, many reasons why my back didn't grow, but it's all stuff you can overcome so easily by learning exercise selection, exercise execution, like so simple. I have a lot of rapid fire questions for you. I don't know if they end up being rapid fire answers, but I really want to get into this one topic that's very near and dear to my heart. I'm going to be selfish because I'm the one who's sitting across the table from you, but I think this will be interesting to other people too, because you've been talking about this a little bit, but not explicitly enough. We need to hear the whole story. You did a carnivore diet experiment recently. I want to know every single thing about that. So I did full three weeks, to be honest. I didn't end up doing 30 days because I ended up traveling and, and eating carnivore and travel is not the easiest thing in the world to do. So that next nine days, because I committed to 30 days, the next nine days first was, though, was first more though, keto. I'm, I'm just going to interrupt. Why did you do it? Uh, I like to experiment with stuff. When people, you know, like first I heard carnivore 12 months ago. I was like, these guys are idiots, right? Like you can't possibly live this way, especially because, you know, Dr. Baker, the way he does it, and I've spoken to him about it, so I'll, I'll speak about that too. But Dr. Sean Baker is kind of the first guy who brought it onto the scene. And he's like, he's going to go to Wendy's and order eight patties and just eat that. And I'll go, dude, like, I can't get behind that, right? Like, I'm about health, not outcome, right? Like, I'm about process, not outcome. So, the outcome being of, of you know, eating a carnivore diet, yes, you get leaner. You might even feel good for a short period of time. But same with vegans. Like, vegans eat you know, they're like, hey, vegan, I feel amazing. And then a year later, they're like, I'm dying. I have an illness. Okay. So I'm like, I can't get behind that. But when I heard Paul Saladino talk about like nose to tail and, you know, eating organ meat and eating collagen and eating, you know, this full animal in here, explain like, yeah, this is going to be the highest amount of nutrients your body can absorb, or at least the highest absorbability rate. Did some research, research into that. And there's a lot of good research there. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try this and see how I feel, what my body feels like, how my training does. And so to be honest, you eating carnivore and me eating carnivore are extremely different just based on body weight. So I ended up having to eat a lot of meat. Like I didn't even try to hit my macros for the day, right? Like, you know, for me to hit baseline macros, I'm looking at 3,000, 3,200 calories. Like, so that's a lot of protein. So I didn't even consider that. I was like, I'm just going to eat till I'm satiated. And it was still like pound and a half, two pounds of meat, three times a day. And I did it. But at some point you're just like, 
I just don't eat this much meat. Like, so well, therein is why it's so effective for people because a lot of people who have issues with recognizing satiety and how to eat, like they have a, I mean, I had a positive experience with carnivore eating as well because it is the, the most satisfying approach that I've found way more than carnivore or keto, way more than paleo or any kind of, if it fits your macros, it's like you it get such strong signals telling you to, you're done eating when yeah. you're only eating meat. I think the big benefit that I see for everyone there, if everyone, everyone is going to try it is to reset your palate. Yes. I, I used to do that with bodybuilding too, right? I suggest everyone do a bodybuilding diet because like when you when you deprive yourself for an extended period of time, the amount of joy you get from like a sweet potato oh, yeah. or a white potato or like the amount of pre- appreciation you have for food in general. People go, man, how can you like mustard? And I go, if you've ever deprived yourself of something. When I was bodybuilding, I was so hungry at sometimes I'd like shoot mustard in my mouth with my meal. Like I'd like mu- meals done, mustard's not. That's just you know, like, flavor. Yeah. yeah. And like a treat for me when I was dieting for Olympia was apple cider vinegar. And people go, you're mental. I go, yeah, but it's so damn good. That's just, it's mental, right? But like when you're deprived of it, you're like, okay, what can I have? There's not many calories that isn't going to destroy my body. So I wasn't going to go down the path of like sucralose and, and aspartame and all that shit. I was like, forget that. So like for me, my, my go-to treats were mustard and apple cider vinegar. So I'd have a big salad with a bunch of apple cider vinegar and put some salt on it and I was in heaven. And like, so you start finding those little things. And I think people need to go through that to appreciate food, reset your palate and not have to chase like, hey, I need to eat a sweet with every meal. I need to eat chocolate, I need to eat shit. So- I think carnivore has a huge opportunity for that. I think there's value in it. Like you say, it's it's definitely satisfying. I could definitely do it again. But as I said, toward the end, it was like, I just kind of like avocados and olive oil. And I don't think they're in any way unhealthy for me. So, I just started adding those in um, and just helped me not have to eat two pounds of meat for every meal. So, what did it look like for the first few weeks? Was it just red meat? Was it like ground beef? What were you eating? Mix of both. So, I started off just with ground beef and then I got tired of the texture. So, I want a big ass big ass ribeyes. And I ordered, you know, those, I think they have like 18 ounce ribeyes on um, US wellness meats. I ordered like a whole bunch of those. I grilled those and they're amazing. But eventually it's like, you know, gnawing on the bone enough and eating all the fat off and definitely gives you a new appreciation for animal fats and high quality animal meat. So, you know, giving you the breakdown morning would be, I'd probably eat, you know, the a ribeye that's left over from the night before and maybe even a little bit of chicken or something like that. I like to combine the meat so I get different textures and flavors. And the only oh, the only spice I allowed myself was salt. So that's per Paul Saladino. He said, only salt. I said, okay, man. I know he's anti-spice. It makes me sad. Yeah. We've had so, that and, talk. and again, trying to find the fattier meats was always a challenge because I'm kind of not used to that. My bodybuilder brain says, oh, avoid the fattier meats. So I, like he talks about eating beef fat. I was like, ah, like I'll eat with the fat that's in the ribeye, but I'm not going to go out and like get additional beef suet and add it. It was weird for me. So I just ended up eating more beef and he said, well, just eat more fat. And I go, that's just weird. Like I uh, intentionally seeking beef fat was weird to me. I made a lot of crock pot, like bone broth with roasts. So I ended up eating like, you know, a two pound roast at a meal, which is like supposed to be for the whole family, but it was for me with a lot of bone broth. And I drank a ton of bone broth. Um, I literally do one of those every day, pretty much. And I'd have some left over for the next day. And that was kind of it. Like, I mean, it's, there's not much to tell, right? It's like I either ate a, a oh, ribeye. I have more questions. There's I either, more. <laughs> I either ate a ribeye or I ate a roast that was in the crock pot and, and done slow cooked overnight. Or we have the, the Traeger grill, which was amazing. So we would do like huge uh, beef roasts on there. And I don't eat pork. So that would add a little bit of a different dimension because a lot of people eat bacon and, and pork. Yes, and that's the other area where we diverge. Yeah. <laughs> so well, you don't so like I'm eating not, pork. I'm not, pork. I'm not anti-bacon. Like, I just don't really like it. And people think I'm weird, but I just really don't like it. 
I agree that you're weird for not yeah. liking it, but that's okay. We can still get along. So if I eat it by accident or something, I'm not going to like freak out. It's not a religious But you're thing. not seeking it out like no. the rest of the world. Right. What about eggs? What about seafood? I did eat a lot of seafood. So Billings Seafood Company is a company that I ordered from in Alaska. And are you familiar with them? They're awesome. They send me wild Alaskan salmon, a little bit of tuna. They sent me some salmon roe. They sent me some shrimps. I think that was it. Maybe some other fish in there somewhere. But I really loved eating, you know, probably four times, three or four times a week. I'd have some salmon. I'd have some salmon roe almost daily. Two and I'd have once or twice a month. And the kids end up eating all the shrimp. Mm-hmm. I think that's a part of the conversation that's missing a little bit in the carnivore world these days. And we talked about this at KetoCon recently when we were hanging out with um, Sean Baker and Paul Saladino. And I was asking them specifically, and I've had them both on my podcast why aren't we talking about that a little bit more? Like I I get it that a steak is sexier and easier to get your head around and it's very nutritionally sound and all of these things, but so so are oysters. So I talked to Sean about that too. And he he said, you know, he was talking about Paul Saladino saying, you know, whenever anyone's new to this, they're always looking for these complex ways to do it. And he's like, at some point it just gets old. And like, he's like, I just want to be a carnivore and not have to worry about eating the most sexy foods. And like, I'm only going to eat this and I'm not going to add salt and like, or I'm not going to add any spices. And Sean was just a realist about it. Whereas Paul's kind of a, What's so complicated about just eating meat, though? Like, why does it have to be just a steak? Why does it have to be just red meat? What's so complicated about, like, is it an oh, animal? To- eat it. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it seems like it's a, a more sustainable, and I still subscribe. I think that we're all individual and we need different things, but I think that the more variety you can have within whatever your healthy spectrum of whatever your plan is, the better off you are, and the more you can sustain it, and the better it is for your body. Sure. So, and salmon on the trigger grill is... Oh, man. Do you have a new wave? Do you have a new wave of oven? I use that too. That's another good thing. Traeger, not everyone gets a Traeger, but Traeger's made with the skin on totally. Skin on always. I do have an air fryer. That was my one thing that I bought recently. You put some chicken thighs in an air fryer. So I think the new wave, I feel like the new wave is very similar to an air fryer. It's not an air fryer. It cooks with infrared, but I put fish on the new wave and it's like golden crispy on the outside and warm and flaky on the inside. It's amazing, but it's not an air fryer. But that's why I'm... I found it this when I was bodybuilding and I was hmm. just- I've never heard of that. I'll have to look into it. it. Yeah. yeah. It's great. What about your digestion? What about your energy? What about your mood, generally speaking? Great. Well, I was on it. When I stopped, my digestion was a mess. Really? Yeah. So, how did you- Because you said you kind of gradually- It's not like Still you like, went mess, back to, to be pizza honest. though. Like, you, so, in my life, I've never had digestive issues. Sorry, not true. When I was a bodybuilder early in my career, when I was eating like a typical meathead, I had digestive issues. Toward the end of my career, when I actually paid attention to my digestive tract, like digestive enzymes and not eating shitty foods and avoiding gluten and dairy and grains, I was great. And even since retiring, I, like I don't get gas. I don't get weird digestive problems. I don't get bloating. And then since doing- the carnivore, which is only for 30 days, and having added back in much less vegetables than I used to eat, much less carbs, and still a little bit of fat, I get digestive issues, and I don't know why. Like, I get, like, gas sometimes, and it's, like, bloating sometimes. I never, like, for five years, I never got it. It's interesting, yeah. So, maybe reset my microbiome in some way, but I'll, I'll get it back, right? It's just getting back to my, So, prior to that, my diet was very vegetable-dense, meat 
wasn't, I mean, maybe 200 grams of protein a day kind of thing and lots of fat and I have great digestion, like no bloating, no nothing. And now it's like not quite back to where it was. So have you considered, are you starting to kind of slowly add back in more of the vegetables to see if that just sorts you back out again, since your body seemed to like that? So that's what you're doing now. So basically when you kind of hit three weeks and started adding your avocado back in just because you like it, was it really just like a, I've seen what this will do and it's great. I'm missing some things texturally and taste wise. I'm just going to- I just wanted more fat. Like I, I just didn't want to eat two pounds of meat anymore. And I, I knew I wasn't anywhere near my BMR. So my body was dropping really, really fast, which is fine. But my training started to kind of go to crap because I need to keep those calories up. So it's like, where am I going to get fat from? What are my best choices for fat? I don't eat dairy. So most people go straight to like butter or ghee. I don't eat dairy. You, you don't eat butter or ghee? No. But ghee has no Still dairy. Still fucks me up. We talked about this. That's so sad. Yeah. Ghee's the best. Butter's the best. It okay. is. It's up there. But yeah, so I just went, I was like, well, olive oil is, I think, I, I think every human should consume olive oil and my olive oil is so good. I tried yours this morning, by the way. It's nice. Yeah. You liked it? Yeah. Okay. But the olive oil I get is so damn good. I was like, yeah, yeah. I just go there and avocados are just because they're avocados. Delicious. Yeah. How was training during that period? Pretty. Well, in the beginning they were great, but my, I definitely had to cut back my volume. So like I talked about, Danny and I just released that ketogenic muscle building program. And the objective of that is not just to be ketogenic. It's like how to eat when you're low carb. Right when your body doesn't have carbohydrate as a fuel source. So anyone who's low carb, ketogenic, or carnivore, that's the way we want to train. So I, I just basically shifted to that. So it went till the frequency was much less. It was four times a week. Now the volume was much less and the intensity was high. So I'm training really heavy, longer rest periods, so like kind of like strongman, not strongman, powerlifter-ish, right? So I'm doing a lot of deadlifts, a lot of squats, a lot of compound stuff, um, and not doing a lot of dense workouts. So we'll do I'll do like cardio separately, like high intensity cardio separately to deplete glycogen. But I don't spend a tremendous amount of time in the glycolytic system, right? Because your body doesn't have the substrate to support it. You know, Paul Saladino and yours truly, we are very big fans of nose-to-tail eating and organ meats and offal and all of the delicious, healthy, very nutrient-dense parts of the animal that people are afraid of. Did you incorporate any of that of into course. your- Of course, yeah. yeah. So, so what do you like? Well, I don't know that I like any of it, but I definitely ate it. Really? Yeah. Mm. So I really liked U.S. Wellness Meats has Braunschweiger and liverwurst. It's amazing. And my kids loved it, which was awesome. So I used to make that when I was doing carnivore, they were kind of also doing carnivore. They were doing, uh, Danny makes these organ meat, beef, meat patties, beef patties. They're amazing. So kids love those. So I did that. I did liver ish. Sometimes I did a little bit of heart, a little bit of kidney, but it's, it's just a texture thing. So I don't eat for flavor. So this is another thing interesting. If you want to know something interesting about me, when I was a bodybuilder, I couldn't taste food, but I could taste texture. So I just develop aversion to food from, weird textures or conversely really liking food for weird textures. That's pretty normal. I mean, definitely. Yeah. I think a lot of, if you, if you can get past the mental part of the organ meat thing, it's the textural part. But I mean, I think there's something like brain, for example, it's like delicious. It's like pate. It's like right. creamy and delicious. But nobody will sell you brain. Yeah, Not it's hard. I mean, this stuff's hard to find. Let me tell you, the other day I went to my local butcher because I'm doing a side project where I'm doing some kind of interesting recipes. And apparently it's weird to ask your local butcher for brains and blood. I got a bit of a weird look, but I'm still looking. They sent me to like, anyway, it's an ongoing process. Anyway, it's one of my goals in life is to get people to eat more of the stuff. And I think that the first well, start the is to- The fear for brain, you get it, is the mad cow, right? A lot of this stuff is outdated. I mean, who's, yeah, who ha who's had mad cow recently well, in nobody, North America? What if it happens to one and then also... Also, it's, it's pig brains and lamb brains taste better. Like, don't even go for the cow brains. Come on. Oh, really? Yeah, of course. They taste better. Delicious. Anyway, I'm working on it. I know I'm playing the long game here with getting people to eat stuff like this, but I... I, <laughs> I would eat lamb brain. Delicious. Pig brain, I'd pass on. 
Okay. Yeah, I know you don't like pigs because they're dirty and gross, but... Okay, so one thing that I just wanted to reiterate from this conversation, because I think it's something that I would like people to get from this, and I've done my own keto and carnivore experiments to varying degrees of success, but I think that ultimately what we're saying from these things, they're not prescriptions for everybody. Not everybody needs to do keto or carnivore or whatever, but they're all worth trying, and they're also as you said earlier, good resets, palate resets, portion, like my issue is like a portion size thing when I like kind of let myself off the wagon a bit and I start eating like a Ben size portions when I should be eating Ashley size portions. It helps to reset your satiety signals. And because again, it's, it tells you very, very explicitly to stop eating when all you're doing is eating ground beef. I think beef. every human should go through keto or and or carnivore at least a couple times a year. And I think three months is a good amount of time. So I do keto at least three months a year for the one benefit of the ketones, the fat adaptation, the inflammation benefits, and we project that some there's some life extension benefits there, right? So I think every human being should do it. You didn't do any like blood testing or any kind of marker stuff for the carnivore thing? Unfortunately, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was planning on it, but ended up traveling a lot right at the end of that because that's why I ended up finishing it three weeks rather than doing 30. And I was traveling and I just Never ended up doing it. I should totally should have. I did pre, but never ended up doing post. Yeah. Yeah. I think this information is great as tools in a person's toolbox. You don't, just because kind of worked for somebody else doesn't mean you have to do it for the rest of your life. But and even if it works for you, doesn't mean it's going to work for the rest, the rest of your life. Of your life right? yeah. I wrote up an article about that the other day. It's like, and people get so myopically focused around one diet, just because you feel great being a vegan for three months, doesn't mean you should be a vegan forever, right? Like vegan could be cool for three months, man. Like do it. Go nuts. If you feel good about it, good for you. But 12 months down the road, check your blood markers and realize something's going to be in the toilet because your body's meant to have meat. Like if you're doing, if you're a vegan for moral reasons, I support you. But if you're doing it because you think you're healthy, I think you're wrong. And, and I think there needs to be a cyclical approach to nutrition, period, as a human being, right? When you start to look at the implications of light and, and on our system, you start to realize like, hey, when there's more sunshine, our bodies use carbohydrates more effectively. So guess what? eat more carbohydrates. And you could probably bring down the omega fats, the omega-3 fats, right? When there's a tremendous amount of sunshine, right? Because things are going to oxidize when there's more heat. In the wintertime, it's better time for carnivore, better time for carnivore, better time for keto, better time for more omega-3 fatty acids. So think about that, right? Like maybe we should eat cyclically according to the seasons. That seems like the most intelligent way and not being attached like I'm a keto all year round. Well, guess what? If you're getting six hours of sunshine in the summertime, your body can absorb and utilize carbohydrate because you're getting more vitamin D, you're getting better insulin sensitivity, more mitochondrial biogenesis, like there's more energy being produced. So go ahead and eat some carbohydrate. If there's ever been a better incentive to go out and get sun, it's that you can eat more carbs if you do it. That's really good. Can you think off the top of your head of any of your previous podcasts that you can refer back to where you were talking about carnivore stuff so people can go back and like listen to more if they want to? Well, Paul Saladino, it would be the primary one to do. Mark Bell and I talk a little bit about that. Uh, but Paul Saladino's top yeah, of the food chain for sure. And I'll be getting Dr. Sean Baker on very, very soon. Okay, cool. It's funny that you mentioned the mustard thing though, because just going back to my bodybuilding preps, I am somebody who I've just admitted that I eat brains and I like really gross stuff. And like literally the only taste that I do not like is mustard. Like I went through my whole life and like that's the grossest condiment ever. I hate it so much. And three months into that's what I'm saying. Three months into my I think it was like my second prep when it was just like Brussels sprouts and chicken all day long, rice. And I'm like, all right, let's give the stone ground mustard to try. And I'm like, this stuff is like ambrosia. It's like the most amazing thing in the world. And now I fucking eat mustard because of body. But it's the exact, it, you're exactly right. When you haven't eaten, when sugar and no condiments have touched your lips for three months, like it's amazing how it resets. Because vinegar makes your mouth salivate, right? And there's vinegar in there. And you just like all the salivation going on. You're thinking about it now yourself. Oh, man. 
I want some mustard now. I, but it also, and this is this is like you a... You to go over to Simple Kitchen and get some mustard. Yeah, yeah. This isn't a healthy thing, but it also switched my... Because I'm not really much of a drinker, but you know, when I was younger, I drank like classic girl drinks, like mixed drinks of whatever with juice in it or some crap. And when I, I was doing a bunch of business meetings and I was going through prep at the same time and I was so tired of being the weirdo that could never eat or drink anything. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to have a drink. What's the like least painful thing that I can drink here that isn't going to totally set me off. And so I had a, a whiskey. I had a whiskey on the rocks. And I was like, again, delicious because I haven't been drinking like vodka and crayons for <laughs> six months. So I had, and now I drink, now bourbon's like my favorite thing when I drink, which is not very often, but yeah, it's totally, totally resets your, your brain and your taste buds. Okay. Let's finish this off with one more rapid fire. Can you do it? Quick rapid yeah, of fire. Course. What is your last meal? If you had a last meal tonight, oh, what would it be? Like I'm dying? Yep. But you still have your appetite. So <laughs> what are you going to eat? <laughs> Smoked a big fatty. Oh, good question. What's I mean, I'd probably eat like a steak and potato or something. So I enjoy that shit. So if you would ask me that a year ago, like my, my truthful favorite meal is like I have this bowl that I eat, this massive wooden bowl, and I fill it with as many different types of vegetables I can eat and I cover it with – so I eat elk steak is my favorite. And I chop it up yeah, really, really thin. And then I'll put um, really, really good olive oil on top, which I get my fresh pressed olive oil company and maybe a little bit of balsamic vinegar or, or apple cider vinegar. That's literally my favorite meal. And I eat that every day. Now, there is one dessert that I ate a lot of when I was competing, when I had a cheat day. So the keg in Canada, we know the keg. Oh, yeah, they shout have, out to the keg. They have the Billy Minor pie. <laughs> Billy Minor pie is, was my heaven when Wait, I was competing. Wait, what kind of pie? Billy Minor. What is that? Oh man, we should go there tonight. You need what to try. Is yeah. it? It's like a um, mocha ice cream cake. Holy moly. Okay. When we post this on social media, can we do a poll to see how disappointed everyone is with your last meal being a fucking salad? Probably like some kind of hybrid Frankenstein monster of brownies, cookies, and like ah, peanut butter that. cups just in a, just like, you know, like the movie Elf, like Will Ferrell <laughs> when he made the like spaghetti that has like Pop-Tarts in it. Like it would be something like that. I have like sugar, sugar Why? all day long because no. it's delicious. Sugar's delicious. Okay. Don't get yourself. All right. We're going off track. But listen, if we're ending this, this quick one, let's end by asking people to, when they hear this, if they liked it, to submit their own questions because this is super fun. Asking you questions like this, I don't think anybody expected that answer from you, right? Like this is fun. So if you have questions like this, you want to know Ben There's a little bit better. There's probably peanut butter involved in my, actually, I should say there you go. or almond butter or something you can like that. Make, you can make healthy peanut butter cups. It's a thing. I don't, I don't want sweet. All right, guys. If you have a question that you want to be <laughs> deeply disappointed by the answer for Ben, send these questions in on social media and we're going to do it in the next Q&A. Thank you so much for tuning in to Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.